Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com. Good morning, guys. So this is our last Sunday that we're going to be um, sharing before Easter. And if you're visiting today, we've been going through the book of Matthew to prepare ourselves, not for Easter, because there's nothing magical that's going to happen on the day of Easter, but preparing ourselves for life. And that's what Lent is about. It's, it's, a, it's a yearly time of preparation. And so we've chose to go through the book of Matthew and look at Jesus and see how he lived his life and how he prepared for life. And what can we learn from that since we are following him and what can he teach us? So you'll need Bibles. We will be in Matthew chapter 26. If you need one, you can just raise a hand or whatever. And we have some extras here. And if you don't own one or if you lost it or if you have a chocolate lab like mine that would eat it, then you can take this one and make it yours to replace that one that your dog ate. What we're going to look at today um, is communion. It wasn't called communion. It was the Passover meal. But Jesus identified that as a very special moment for them and for him. And so we're going to look at that. But I, I want us to, before we look at that, I want us to think of all of the ways that we misinterpret that. We talked a lot about that uh, through the book of Matthew, how we turn some of this preparation, uh, like even baptism, we turn it upside down and we misinterpret what it's there for. And so here is what communion is not. Communion is not this magic food and drink that you take that gives you special powers. I know that that kind of sounds a little goofy to say, but the reality is we kind of think that way a lot. Um, I, I've, I've had people say, you know what, I'm not doing well, I need to take communion. Like that's going to fix the situation. Um, or it's going to cleanse them. Or you know, it will give them the indwelling of the Spirit of God because they took communion. And that's not what it is. Um, it's almost, when we think that way, it's almost like there's this movie that I loved as a kid called The World's Strongest Man. Anyone ever see it? Okay, you need to go see it. It's got Kurt Russell in it when he was actually young. I think he was actually a teenager at the time. And there was this serial, he was at some university and they had this, they were working in the lab and they came up with this little potion and it would mix with the cereal and he happened to be on the weightlifting team. And so when he ate that, smoke would literally come out of his nose and his ears and then he'd have super strength. And, of course, back then, he's a little guy, so he wasn't huge. And I just, I remember, wouldn't that be awesome? Because as a kid, you're all in the cereal. You're all pumped up on cereal. Wouldn't that be awesome if those frosted flakes or some of that stuff, if I could eat it, and then, bam, I got all that power. And sometimes we can turn communion into that. We think there's something in the elements that's going to give us certain nutrients or something that we didn't have before. But that's not what it is. Um. It's meant for something. It's meant for remembrance. It's meant to remember a moment and a reason. Now, here's where the adventure begins. Because for me right now, I have in my head right now three sermons. And as of the time that I arrived here, I did not know which one we were going to roll with. At this very moment, I still don't know which one. But I'm excited about that. I did that on purpose. I thought, you know what, Lord, these all, I, I, there's, this is, there's so many important things here. You don't want a speaker to do is just keep talking 
and talking and talking, trying to squeeze all this in. So I said, Lord, you know I can't share all three of these because then I'm going to get sunburned. So you're going to have to lead and direct here. So let's see where we go. But I know where I'm starting. That's all you need, right? Matthew chapter 26. Um, And I want you to look here at verse 26. As they were eating. Now, this was just a normal meal, right? Matthew 26, 26. Easy to remember. 26 and then another 26. As they were eating, Jesus took some bread and he offered a blessing over the bread. We've, we've done this before when we've had the Seder dinners. This was the, the, the traditional Passover meal that they celebrated every year. An important dinner, important festival, important tradition in the family that had all kinds of rituals and moments for the kids and the adults. And there were certain foods you had to eat. And some of it they ate and they didn't really like, but they ate it because it was traditional. That immediately reminded me of... Um, uh, our grandpa's oyster um, stuffing that we had at Thanksgiving. No one liked it, but it was traditional. We had on Thanksgiving, oyster stuffing. This was one of those type of meals where there was so much tradition in it. And it didn't matter what the food was. It mattered why they were eating it. So as they were eating this meal, Jesus took some of the bread and he offered a blessing over the bread, and then he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples. This is, tr- this is normal. This is, they've done this all the time, except now he says this. Take this and eat. It is my body. What? Can you imagine the Christmas ham? Grandpa's cutting it, and he looks up and he goes, Guys, this ham is for you. Think of it like my flesh. What? What are you doing? And these are good Jews. They have very specific rules for what they eat, when they eat it. And I'll tell you right now, it doesn't involve eating someone's skin or their meat. And so this is like really offensive and repulsive to them. But he's not talking about them literally eating him, right? He's talking about something much deeper. And then he took the cup of wine. He made a blessing over it and he passed it around the table. And then he said this about the wine. Take this and drink, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant. Okay. This is like you've got that sparkling apple cider that you're allowed to have on Thanksgiving, you know, when you're a kid. And then grandma says, and this is the blood of my agreement with you that I will always love. You know, grandma, I don't need that. That's, that's not what I want to have in my head right now. So he's turning everything upside down. He's taking this traditional meal and he's turning it. But for a purpose, for a reason, to have this point to something. Take this and drink, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for many of you for the forgiveness of sins. What? Did you guys miss it? You've taken it so for granted, I just went right over it. You missed it, didn't you? For the forgiveness of sins. But I tell you, I will not drink of the fruit of this vine again until I'm with you once more drinking in the kingdom of my father. Which is another way to say, hey, guys, just so you know, this is the last meal I'm going to eat with you on this side of heaven. This is heavy duty conversation, but he's trying to give them a reason here. He's trying to take this meal that they eat once a year and they will always have this meal. And he's telling them this is significant because this is what it needs to mean from now on. Do this in remembrance of me. We do this to remember. 
Now, this is what we do too often. When you're reading the Bible, I want to give you some, some simple Bible 101 instruction. So we're reading right here. You don't want to just take pieces of Scripture and take them out by themselves and look at them. You have to see where they're in. Not just the two pages you can look at, but all the way before and after. You want to know where they fall. Well, this happens right after Judas makes a decision. So if you go just a little bit farther back to verse 15, uh, Jesus has just... um, just allowed this woman to uh, take this very expensive oil and, and wash his feet with it. And once this happens in verse 14, at that, one of the 12, Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priests. He made a decision that now he's going to betray Jesus. So he goes through this, what will you give me to turn him over to you? Uh, how about 30 pieces of silver? And from that moment, he began to watch for a chance to betray Jesus. And Jesus wasn't surprised by this. He knew this was coming. He knew this was going to happen. And he knew who was going to do it. So down here in verse 21, as they were eating their dinner, Jesus said, I tell you this, one of you here will betray me. And it's not me. It's not me. And then verse 25, at that Judas, who was indeed planning to betray him, said, it's not me, master, is it? And I love this translation. This is the translation um it was uh this particular translation put together by some writers and some artists and some uh, scholars they got together and they said look scholars you write very boring and then the scholars said to the artist yeah but you get the stuff wrong and so they said well let's work together and let's make something and so that's what this is that's their translation it's not me master is it and Jesus said, I believe you've just answered your own question. Isn't that cool the way they translate? I believe you've just answered your own question. And then at the moment, this is when they take what we would call communion. Judas, think about the time here. Judas has already made his decision. He's already made the contractual agreement for 30 pieces of silver. Jesus knows it. He knows it. And then looks at him and says, this is my body, which is broken for you. He knows what's happening. And he says, my body for you. Take and eat. This is my body. And this is my blood, which is going to be poured out for them, but not you, Judas. No, no, no. for you, all of you. And it says all of them took and ate and drank. Do you understand the significance of what's happening here? When I was um, when I was younger, teenager, I know I look I'm close to being a teenager, but I'm not. I'm not. And I had a friend, and uh, I was I was at her church, and one of my best friends from high school, who we'll be working with in El Salvador, actually, he was there also, and this was their church, and I was there with them, and then they went to take communion. And I'm like, of course, of course I'm taking communion. I follow Jesus. Let's do this. And as I get up to go, like, oh, no, you can't. So, oh, really now? You see, if you're not a member of our church, you can't take communion at our church. And I got so upset, like, what? And I've had friends that have experienced that before. We've been somewhere and they said, you can't. 
I, the reason I share that is for this reason. I was the one that was wrong. And I've only realized that and really admitted it this week. Because what I had done is I had made communion about me. And it's not about me. It's not even about the elements. Do this in remembrance of me. And I had, I didn't think anything magical was going to happen, but I'm like, I get to go take communion because this is, you know, I feel Christ to go and do this or something to that effect. I don't even know why I was doing it, but I wasn't doing it because of remembrance of him. Because if I was, I'd say, look, I don't have to get up and go forward to participate in communion to remember him. But if I'm going to, I'm going to do it out of remembrance of him. But I wasn't. It was this thing that was taken from me. And it's, that shouldn't be. This isn't. Or some people argue, oh, we shouldn't do communion that way. There should be wine or there should be this kind. Or just so you know, we have gluten-free today. Because we know some of you are like, I want to take communion, but I'm tired of my stomach feeling like I'm going to throw up all day. Like we have all these things that we think it's supposed to be a certain way and this way and that way. It needs to be fresh grain bread. It should be Ezekiel bread because that's in the Bible, right? Like we have all, and we forget what it's really about. Judas, at this moment, has made a decision to betray our Savior. And Jesus looks at him and says it's for him. And then if you look in the context, what happens right afterwards, verse 31, Jesus says, Scripture says, the Bible says this is what's going to happen. I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will scatter. So just so each of you know, you're going to stumble tonight. You're going to stumble and fall on account of me. And then Peter says this, Lord. Maybe everyone else. <laughs> I like that. Yes, everyone knows. Look, they're all blow it. But I won't. I'll be beside you. I won't falter. And Jesus says, if only that were true. In fact, this very night before the cock crows in the morning, you will deny me three times. Peter was there at that meal as well. When Jesus said, this is my body, which is broken for you, he was talking to Peter, who he knew would scatter, just like everybody else. And this is my blood, which is poured out for you, all of you, who will scatter and you will leave me alone. But yet I do this for you. When we do this in remembrance, we need to understand we're not taking communion for the Lord. When he says, do this in remembrance of me, he's not saying do this because I don't want you guys to forget me. No, 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 no. It's so that we can remember the reason. The reason is, is because he loves us, not because of what we do. We saw what Judas did. We saw what Peter did. But yet he gave communion. He gave that to them. He said, my body is being broken for you, what you've already done and what you're about to do. This is what I want you to remember. I want you to remember how much I love you. So if you want to hear anything, you need to understand what we need to do to prepare ourselves and what communion is supposed to be for us to remember that Christ went to the cross and he died for us and he did it on purpose because our sins needed to be paid for. And he was willing to do it because he loves us that much, even if we will deny him and betray him or if we will scatter when things get rough or whatever it is that's on your ledger. That it's not like, well, if I had known Judas, I wouldn't have even done this. 
No, he did it knowing well what was going to happen. I want to share one last thing in closing. I want to keep this short for a reason. At the end, when Jesus is up on the cross, something happens. And something that happens that to this point in time I've always missed. When he's up on the cross, um, they, they come and they offer him a sponge filled with water and vinegar. And I always thought, wasn't that really cool? They finally decided that after they'd lashed him probably 39 times with these braids filled with clay pot and metal little balls so they could cause you know bruises and contusions and then they could scrape the skin. I think, oh, after all of that, and then they put him up on a cross and leave him there to die. They finally give him some, some gift. Offer up, because up on the cross, a stick, and it has a sponge on the end of it, and they give him, they offer it to him at least, the water and the vinegar in the sponge. There's something that I just recently discovered. Mark Driscoll was out in, uh, in Israel, and he was out there with an archaeologist, and they were just doing some tours, and, and he saw something. And what it is, is it's a public toilet's. This, they were intact, and this is how they, would, how they would use public bathrooms at the time of Jesus. And they would have these huge, like 40 people at a time, no stalls, sorry. And they'd all just be sitting there and doing their, doing their business, number two. And they're all lined up, all 40 of them. Um, and there's no toilet paper around, so when they were done, they would use water, right? Well, the poorest of the servants, the slaves, actually found a way to, to make some money. And so they would take a sea sponge and they'd put it on a stick and they would go and offer for a small fee to, like, wash them. But they found out probably pretty quickly that um, using the same sponge for, you know, over 100 people is not very smart health-wise. And so to clean it, they would start to use vinegar because the vinegar would kill all the bacteria. And so now, when we go back to the cross, and we see that Jesus is up at the cross, when they offer to send this up, this is the last taste in his mouth, the last smell in his nose. Could it get any worse? Seriously, like this wasn't enough? All of this is not enough? And then you got to finish it off with this? And then this is what Jesus says. It is finished. And as we've talked about before, that's meaning you're forgiven. All of you, Judas, Peter, you soldiers who are holding the stick up to mock me. It is finished for you. I am dying for you because I love you. This is the reason. This is why when I was in the Garden of Gethsemane, and I was talking to, talking to my Heavenly Father, and I was saying, Lord, if you can take this cup from me, take it from me. 
but not my will, yours be done. Coming all back to the reason why this is done, out of obedience to his Father and out of love for us. Because our Creator loves us, and this had to be done. And even though no one got it, and not only did they not get it, but they responded with this, he did it because he loves us. And this is what I want you to remember during communion. I want you to remember that God would do it all over again because he loves you. And if God himself is going to forgive those men that left that taste in his mouth and that smell in his nose, then God, anyone, or anything. Do you know that? Do you believe that? Because I know you have a list of things. Like, well, yeah, but God, he's still, if, if he knew about this or he knows about this, so I don't want to, I probably shouldn't take communion because if I take communion, he's going to. Communion is to remind us that his body is broken for us, that his blood was poured out for us for the forgiveness of those sins. That's why we take communion. That's why it's so beautiful. And even if you're at a church where they don't let you participate and take the particular bread or the particular wine, or you go to a church and they don't have gluten-free, or you go to a church where they don't even have communion, or they have it only once a month, or they have it only once a year, that doesn't matter. Remember why. That's what we do this for. Remember the moment and the reason. Remember that God did this because he loved us.